close call with death. Have you had one? I have. I've actually had a lot of them, but who's counting? In this podcast, we'll talk about the events of those of us that have come dangerously close to death and had the great luck or destiny to elude death and carry on. First of all, today, I would like to express my appreciation to those of you out there that are listening to this podcast series of A Close Call with Death. I've recorded a couple of stories so far about my experiences that I wanted to share with all of you and hope that they've been entertaining. Initially, they were meant to help me reflect on the event and examine the impact of it on my life. And I love telling stories. I love telling them to my family who've heard them over and over throughout the years. Now, this podcast series is my passion, and I'm able to share my stories and some amazing stories from interviews. We can grow emotionally and spiritually together. We can realize that you don't have to look that far to find someone that's experienced devastational hardships and yet has preserved or actually persevered. Um, Listening to these stories of survival, grit, strength, and growth give us the ability to walk in someone else's shoes, learn from their experience, learning to have more gratitude, love, and appreciation for a life that's not only worth it in the end, but it's worth it now. So on to my third story. A close call with death in the water. I'm going to be talking about an incident that happened um, back in 2005, and it involved myself and my son, Taylor, who was uh, 21 at the time. And the coolest thing about this is that when I wrote this and wanted to tell you all about this story, um, I uh, was just thinking about relating it to you. And you know what? My son actually lives here in... uh, Utah around us. And uh, he's actually going on 37 years old now. And he was there when when this story unfolded. So Taylor, welcome uh, to this broadcast. Thank you. Yeah, good to be here. <laughs> yeah, it's good to have you. <laughs> um, so we'll jump right into this. And um, and it was the spring of 2005. And I'm, I'm actually going to have Taylor weigh in on um, this story because he was there, he saw things go down. And so he, it'll be interesting to hear his side of some things and, and reflections. So, um, I'm inviting him to jump in anytime he wants to. So, um, I was about to get married the next week. Um, the story began in late April and the runoff or melt of winter snow was causing the Colorado river, um, to run high at a level five rapid. A level five is determined by the international scale of river difficulty. I looked that up and which is an American system used to rate the difficulty of navigating a stretch of river or what's called whitewater. So a level five is expert rating. Um, The rapids tend to be extremely long, obstructed and violent, which exposes a paddler. And in this case would be Taylor and I to added risk. There are drop-offs in the river that may contain large unavoidable waves and holes and, uh, or steep congested chutes with complex demanding routes. So the rapids continue for long stretches between calm pools. So it demands a high level of physical fitness to navigate them. Swims are very dangerous. Since swims happen when you um, crash and you go outside your um, kayak and, and you're in the water and you're just trying to... Um, just maintain flotation. So rescue is extremely difficult, even for the most seasoned guides or rescuers. Needless to say, the stretch of water was, um, that I was about to navigate 
on a weekender with, with some buddies and my son Taylor was going to be very dangerous and out of my league. I didn't know just how bad it was going to be or how much our lives were going to be in peril. So I was at work when my friend Ken said, hey, Bob, you need to come out on a guy's weekend and bring your son. My son Taylor at the time was 21 and a college student in great shape and strong. You were pretty strong back then, weren't you? I'd say as strong as I could be. <laughs> you could still lift a few things. <laughs> I could ma- I could make it down this this set of rapids. Um, yeah, in hindsight, anyway, with with ease. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought, hey, this would be a great way to bond with my son and have a cool father son outing with him that would create memories forever. And and uh, this one created some really crazy memories. It was one week before I was going to get married to my wife Carrie in Kauai. And the most profound thing she said to me the day I was leaving for this adventure was come back to me. Um, I said, oh, yeah, yeah, you got it for sure. I will, smiley face. Um, I didn't think much about it other than, man, that sounded kind of like firm, concerned, but happy for me and lovingly delivered. She didn't act like um, she was worried, but just for sure um, wanted me to come back and get ready to get married in Hawaii. So I was stoked for that as well and thought, what a fabulous outing this will be just before going to the islands with my love of my life. I was a lucky man to have such a just great experiences that were um, stacking up in my life. So now as I prepared for the kayaking trip with the boys, I asked my colleague friend at work, Dave, if he had a kayak I could borrow. And Dave had everything, high adventure. So why um, why wouldn't he have a kayak? So in fact, Dave had two. I thought, great, this is awesome. My son and I won't, uh, or that we both have a cool kayak and we wouldn't have to rent them. So I uh, had either Tay or I kayak before. No. Did we, Taylor, did we kayak at all? No, no. I think the closest we got was taking a whitewater trip, you know, that was um, very much, uh, popular 16 foot rafts you know no big deal just kind of some some stuff here and there like uh, when we went up to idaho idaho Mm -hmm. yeah and then there were the big rafts where you just sit in sit on the side hold on some ropes and the guide will make sure you get through it right yeah you might get splashed in the face a little bit (laughs) that's it yeah and so um was it important that we got trained um maybe but uh we were out of time man we didn't have time we knew to swim to shore, I guess. And, uh, I mean, it was good weather. So what, what could happen? Yeah. Seriously. What could happen? So um, nice. no train, just go for it. How, how hard can it be? Right. <laughs> so when, um, I went to pick up, uh, the kayaks, uh, Dave showed me that they were inflatables and many refer to them as duckies. So inflatable kayaks, one red, the other one yellow, about 12 feet long. And you basically sit in them, but feel as though you're more on top of them than in them. So legs together, feet straight, knees pushing into the side, and a paddle that Dave told me not to lose. Uh, do not lose this paddle because it's expensive as heck and it, and it costs more than the kayak. So I was bound to do all I could to ensure that thing stayed in my hands. Do you remember that? Yeah. I think yeah. you never let go of the paddle. Keep ever. Just always keep paddling. Keep paddling. Keep, keep it above your head. 
stay afloat, that kind of thing, but don't lose that paddle. Yeah. And didn't, didn't the guides mm-hmm. kind of tell us that day we were supposed to like attack yeah. the water, attack yeah. a wave as, as it came at you, just, just paddle like crazy and it'll keep you upright. Yeah. Also, if you're just focused on doing that one thing, you won't be so worried about falling out or swimming. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's important. Stay in the boat. So <laughs> when we arrived at the river, we had two life vests, um, like you would wear out water skiing. Do you remember that? They were thin. They were, they, they were not river vests. Well, no, I think, I think that they were small, but I, I think that they were appropriate. They had, um, you know, those PFDs that they What's typically a, PFD? a personal flotation device yeah for those but, listeners but those, that don't know what a pfd is those that you wear for white water they are typically quite small and boxy and they sit up high on your chest so i think you just weren't used to it but those are that is i think they were appropriate or else i don't think we'd be here today they <laughs> well, were very much in needed. fact the weird thing is that the guide looked at us and said dude those are weak and uh, you need to trade me vests, and we'll give you the special river vest. So there we go. He, yeah, we started off with something we should not have. Yeah. We ended up with something with quite some a bit bigger, bigger ones. Yeah. yeah, the guide's just yeah. like, hey, we'll be okay, but you guys will not, you will die. So I so guess I did, I did forget about that. I'm glad, I'm glad that part happened. The upgrade <laughs> oh my was gosh. Very much necessary. Yeah, that's kind of like miracle number one. <laughs> so they were these huge, puffy, orange um, vests, but they, they were, or uh, life vests, but they were built to help you stay afloat in turbulent water. That's, that's critical. The water, because it's so churned, because it's so violent, um, there's a lot of air in it, a lot of air bubbles. And when that happens, you sink like a rock out there. So um, I was beginning to worry just a little bit, thinking um, we, we might be in trouble. <laughs> so um, we hit the water, and it was a beautiful sunny day, and the water was cold uh, because it was, it was early. Um, it was in April, end of April. So we headed out onto the beautiful water and started paddling smoothly and with a really nice pace. We entered the Colorado River down in southern Utah by Moab and a stretch of water um, that's called West Water Canyon. It's about 17 miles long. At the middle of the route, we would camp along the shoreline overnight and have dinner and breakfast and then head out the next day for the remaining journey and home. All is well. Everything was going along great. But then um, my son Taylor and I, and, um, and our small group had five guides with us, um, all but one in kayaks and one on a large square pontoon raft. It was about 16 feet long that had supplies on it. It was crafted of two huge inflated long pontoons uh, on the sides with a canvas and aluminum frame between them like a trampoline for the guide to sit on and fasten down all of the supplies and food and gear. So um, the floor had a trap door in it for access to get under the raft for repair and other needs of access. So there was a round, long pole from one side to the other directly in the middle of the raft under the guide seat that tied it all together. So um, more on that pole and why it comes into play later in the story. Um, the guides were comforting to have there, so we would have pros that would look over us and, and get us through safe. I had two guides behind me bringing up the back of the group. I had four friends with us that knew how to kayak and were like pros with us, and so they had no concern. Um, there were two guides in front, and so we were surrounded by river experts. They showed us the the rescue ropes. They had in pouches that they could toss over our head if, in, if we were in trouble. 
They contained over 100 feet of rescue rope that could be used to pull us to safety. They would throw them over our head if, in, if we were in trouble and we were to grab the rope and hold on. Their other words of last moment um, urgent teaching was in the event you get in trouble, keep your feet downstream so you don't hit your head on a rock and get knocked out and drowned. If you wind up in a hole that turns you around and around and never lets you out, just don't panic. Push off the bottom of the hole and try to get out, then float to help. When a rescuer is needed to come to your aid and help you out of drowning situation, we were instructed to shout out Big Mac. That was critical. And then they would know you're not insane, you're not panicked, freaking out, and you were going to drown them. So then your rescuer would know that your head was clear and um, not enough to just totally take them out. So um, they would then pull you to safety. That was it. Lessons over. So um, the big schooling was it. And I think that how long did that take for them till it's like five minutes? You know, I actually forgot all about that until you told me the story. Cause um, <laughs> yeah, it was a blink. We were there, we pulled up. It was the, the, um, the put in, if you will. Everyone was just gathering their supplies, blowing some things up. I think that was a 15 minute conversation. We were on the water. <laughs> yeah. That we're going it. do this, do that. Hold on tight. Don't let things go and say big Mac, say big Mac. If we pull you out of the water, it's only after we know you're not going to drown us. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And that's it. It was quick. Oh yeah. And, and I think these guides, you know, they were on their own personal trip. We were part of their group. They weren't there to guide us either. No. So I think we were they just were tag just, alongs. Yeah. And yeah. when they saw our, our little uh, ducky kayaks, they were a little bit like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Hell, yeah. what is that? But at the same time, they, I feel like they just had a lot of confidence. Yeah, they did. <laughs> and and, they, and I think seriously, they thought you guys aren't going to like have a problem because we yeah. know what we're doing. So yeah. just hang with us. Yeah. You'll be okay. It was yeah, that was kind of thrilling a little bit. Yeah. Put, put all of everything into their hands a little bit. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. It was okay. So um, we uh, we proceeded down the river and I went across a few waves that I thought, hey, I can do this. And they said, when you go into some larger waves, attack the wave with aggressive paddling and just attack it to help keep you balanced and upright. So I attacked the waves and thought it was go- it was just going amazing. And the guides laughed and said, we aren't even in the real stuff yet. Um, We were in class one waves and that's nothing. And then I heard it. So downstream, I could hear a roar like a large machine coming at us and it was deafening. Um, They said, here's the first and just keep paddling. Stay left, stay straight and follow the guides. And I did as I was told and all the while was looking and tracking my son, Taylor, um, just ahead of me to make sure he was okay and not in trouble. Tay did great, and, and, and he navigated everything just fine. Do you, you remember that? You totally were doing fine. Did you have any problem at all? I, I mean, I made it through. Uh, I remember they kind of pointed where to go. I I feel like it was tunnel vision. I went exactly where they said. Yeah. I didn't look left or right. I knew... It was just make it through, but yeah, yeah, it, it was roaring. That's for sure. Yeah. It sounded like Niagara Falls. Yeah. There's Super like that scary. little tongue, that little groove right in the center. It just went straight. No problem. Oh, <laughs> well, um, we, we made it through the next few white waters and, and I remember, and it was extremely exciting and, and adrenaline was just flowing. 
I was having the time of my life and conquering the river. Tay and I were fine and having a good time. The guide looked at me and said, I am glad I traded you vests, man. I didn't know why, but I was grateful. I thought the other one looked cooler, but uh, hey, the big and puffy one that he gave me was just what I needed at the moment. And now you'll find out why. So we were about six or seven rapids um, in when we came to a place called Gotcha and Room of Doom. And uh, it was the loudest roar ever. I saw this huge hole the size of a school bus rotating around a gigantic circle, sucking everything into it and spitting out like Niagara Falls. The guide screamed out to us to stay left, just stay left. And that's what I was doing. Tay had just made it perfect and was safe. All of a sudden, a rogue wave slapped my ducky on the nose and turned my kayak right. And uh, right in the line to be sucked right into the freaking monster. So I paddled as hard as I could and the efforts were futile. I was headed into my death. (laughs) I thought I I was a goner. All I could hear in my ears was my future wife saying, come back to me. And it was so scary. I did all I could to save my own life. I rolled into the giant monster and started to rotate into a dreadful circle. And the ducky was sucked away from me straight up in the air and then shot out, leaving me by myself in a thrasher going around and around in a huge circle. And I could not get out. In my hand, I still had um, that stupid paddle. And, uh, but that paddle is the only thing that my rescuers could see as, I, as they came to me. Um, that gave the, the guide it kind of gave them a guide as to where I I must be because the hole was so big and deep that they couldn't have seen me. So that was like the first miracle. They just saw the tip of this oar stick or paddle sticking straight up. Yeah. And uh, so thank goodness I held on to that or else they they wouldn't have known where in the cup I was at. And they sure weren't going to go in uh, Mm -hmm. on purpose. So then I heard a yell out to me from a rescuer telling me to grab the lifeline. And they um, threw the first one over and I was being swirled around so violently in the vortex that I missed it. Uh, They deployed number two, rescue pouch number two. And again, I missed it. I thought I'm gone. I'm getting pushed down into the river and taking in water and choking. That vest, it, it wasn't even keeping me afloat because the water was so violent and foamy, not allowing me to stay on top. I sank over and over like a rock. Again, it was freaking terrifying. So um, then I saw my rescuer in a kayak make his run at me. And as he got close to me, he rolled and um, he came up, he looked at me and I thought he was going to abort his efforts. He just wasn't going to come any further, but he kept coming. Um, He rolled again and he said, grab the back of the kayak. And there was this tiny little metal loop on the back of the kayak used for tie downs. And he repeated, yelled to me, grab the loop. So I reached out as far as I could and stuck my pointer finger into the loop. And with one inch of my finger in it, I held on. And he frantically um, paddled me out of the hole and towards the side of the river to the wall. There's no beach there. It's just this big canyon wall that was really slimy and wet. And, uh, And so that was miracle number two. The first one was the guy traded us and gave us big vests or else we would drown. Second one was that I had the um, paddle in my hand and they could see and that the the kayaker 
um, was able to get me with the, with the back of his kayak or else I would have been in that hole and, and drowned in there. So second chance. Um, there was no beach, so only the slick rock, and I fell off of his kayak, and I was being pushed hard downriver and against the wall as I continued to drink in that brown, cold river water. I just remember trying to breathe, and when I'd breathe, I'd just suck in river water. and It just choked <laughs> the crap out of me. Yeah. So at that point, I heard uh, my future wife again say in my head, come back to me as if she was right there in the river with me. And it gave me the strength to keep alive and, and just keep going and make it. I saw one last rescuer and it was a guide on a supply pontoon raft paddling it against the wall. And um, he was looking at me and he yelled out to me, grab the bar that was on the bottom of the pontoon raft. At this point, I remembered I was supposed to yell out to him a code word if I was going to get him to trust me and try and save me. And I, and I said, Wendy's, um, Burger King, triple burger. Um, <laughs> I, I was panicked. I couldn't remember the code words. He, he might just let me go on down the river now. And so he chuckled and said, good enough, bro. So I went flying under his raft and I saw the silver round bar under the raft and I successfully grabbed it. All of a sudden, he opened a hatch, grabbed the top of my vest, and he pulled. He brought me onto the raft, and I realized I had just been rescued. My life was spared. Miracle number three. That dude was there to catch me. Yeah. Where were you at that point? Were you just downriver, just no, kind of cruising? Or? This was so there were, like you said, a, a few cascades prior to this room of doom. And when. Uh, you know, you get f past that first little, uh, that little one. And then there's like a, quite a, a good size rapid. And then it kind of veered to the left around a corner a little bit. Yeah. And right there, you know, there was like a big, pretty jagged sized boulder that was creating a good sized eddy. And I, I got there right above that room of doom, if you will, um, just before you. So then, um, so then what happened was I took out, I oh. got out of my ducky and climbed up to the top and they showed me, you want to go this way. So you had a moment there to get out if you wanted to and look downstream oh and you gosh. were behind me far enough that, you know, you were going to come up and do probably the same thing, but you, like you said, you flew past us because <laughs> it knocked you to the right Yeah, and you just went straight into it. Yeah. And it so were you able to actually see me in there or all exactly. that going on? I saw all of it. Oh and my gosh. It was interesting. Were you I scared? Gotta say, Did you I think I was like going to die? You know what? I think that time is relative. I think that for me, that whole thing probably took two and a half minutes. I bet it took two and a half minutes. But for you, it probably each one of those three little the three moments mm -hmm. each probably took a lifetime. Yeah, you know. Did. And I did see you get knocked to the side, fall in, um, try and traverse to one side, and then the that guy in the kayak, you grabbed a hold of it, it like knocked it wrenched your finger pretty good yeah. and then and then you had to keep paddling to that side where then the guy with the cat technically he actually like ran you over with it to get you underneath it and yeah. then pulled you up and in the process is when you were yelling 
you know, Wendy's, Wendy's and supersize me, something, <laughs> just get me out of here. Yeah. He, yeah. He was like, you got it, bro. That's good enough. Pulled you in. That was, yeah, oh. it, it all happened so quickly, but mm-hmm. I can see where there were three, three moments where you had, close call. You, you know, you had three different people trying to grab you and with each attempt and f- fail, um, you think it's you're you're done. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but like you said, you held on to that paddle. They were able to see you. They were able to throw that line to you. They were able to get one guy with a kayak to you, and then finally the guy with the cat. So it was interesting. It yeah, worked really well. Pretty cool that you were there to see the. the whole I, I thing mean, unfold. to them, it all worked perfectly. That that was part yeah. of the plan. But we all know that that plan that they had, you know, doesn't always work. Right. Matter of fact, um, I'm going to get to uh, that. I'm glad Taylor brought that up just now because um, I, I, at the end of the story, I want to I want to reveal something that's that's quite tragic. So um, I told him, man, you just saved my life, and I'm so thankful. I'm so grateful. And he said, dude, it's no big deal. Like uh, just doing my job. Um, it was just what we do, dude. And he really seemed calm. But I was one lucky guy that day, and I've been a ski patrol. I've worked on helping people that are um, injured and hurt on the mountain, and and I always think, you know, it's not, not a really big deal when you help somebody and you help save their lives or something. It's just what happens, what you do for other people, and he seemed the same way. It was just um, another day on the river, and he was doing what he needed to do. So um, here's what I learned from that experience. My son was always okay and um made it and i'm grateful for his safety and preserved life that nothing happened to him i love those guides um who put their lives on the line for us to experience something few do on the most dangerous waters in america for a bunch of thrill seekers the river's no respecter of anyone the river's mighty it's powerful adventure filled and it's super dangerous you have to respect the river and work hard to conquer the mighty power of nature. You have to have the right equipment to tackle such a beast to increase the odds of survival. You can't do high adventure half-baked, or you could die. It does not hurt to say a prayer before your adventure down whitewater and a prayer after to give thanks. Here's the sad thing. The very same rescuer that saved my life that day, a cool river guide from Colorado Springs, married with three little children at home, died the very next year attempting to save a guest that went under his pontoon raft and missed the bar, went on through, and he jumped overboard to get him, and they both drowned in the river. My friend from work was friends with him and heard this story. That brought gravity to the situation and caused me to reflect back on that day and how fortunate I am to have another chance to not miss that bar, to have that guy change out vests with me, to have the guide follow me and come in after me when I was stuck, all playing out as if God sent his army to save me, me. If that doesn't make you thankful, nothing would. Oh, and when someone tells you to remember to say Big Mac when you're being saved, remember those words. So I swore that day and later on, on a beach in Hawaii with my new wife, Carrie, that I would be more careful, think more about what I did that was dangerous, take better care and be a better person each and every day of this life that I've been given as a gift, whether it be a second, third, fourth, or however many times over a chance of life, 
this gift of life is worth it and it's priceless. So to you out there that are listening, take care and stay alive to tell about it. Hey, and I want to mention to the listeners also that Taylor, now that he's going on 37 years old, he's married and has a wonderful wife, uh, Courtney, and recently, within just a couple of months ago, has a brand new baby boy named Sterling. That's and, right. uh, you know yeah. what, if you had drowned out there in the river, you wouldn't be with Courtney, you wouldn't have this little no. baby boy. None of this right. would play out. I never would have lived on to actually learn how to kayak. <laughs> Or potentially teach my son how to do it the right way. Right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Then make sure if he ever goes down the Colorado River uh, that he doesn't use a ducky. Okay. Yeah, no, we have the right things now, I think. Yeah, let's plan ahead. Okay, love you, bud. Thanks for being on the show. Of course, thanks. Take care, you guys. Talk to you soon. This is uh, the podcast, A Close Call with Death. Make sure if you like these episodes, subscribe so you get prompted of future episodes and tell your friends because our goal is to help others through these stories gain a perspective as to how um, precious life is. Taylor, thank you for being here with me today to tell this story because this is now recorded and uh, and we'll be able to reflect back on this you know for a long time and into the future yeah, and I was good glad you were okay that I was day. glad to be there and um, and to have had that experience it was definitely adventurous, scary made you think quite a bit about with that thrill, what consequences there could be. Um, But one thing you forgot to mention, I think. Oh, what is it? How good was that meal that night? The meal was fantastic. It was amazing. Yeah. I mean, you're never going to have a meal better than the meal after you almost died. (laughs) That's for sure. It was a crab boil on the river. And oh my gosh, never had something so good. So yeah, I agree, man. That's a great, I'm so glad you brought that up. That's important. (laughs) 